Hello and welcome to Chapter by Chapter for Dune. I am your host, Will Callen. With me is my good friend and co-host, Steve. Good day. Good day. How are you on this fine Monday morning there, bud? You know, it's Monday and you know what they say on Monday. It's time to get it. So <laughs> it's time to get it done. They, they say so that. Are yep, you, they, they definitely say I'm that. Get, I'm here. I'm getting it right. I'm getting it right right now, Will. I'm getting it right fucking yeah. now. <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Uh, great. I already lost my place. <laughs> we're talking. What? We're talking about chapter. I don't know. Thirty. 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 Question mark. Thirty-one. We're talking about thirty-one today. Thirty-one. Listen, this weekend uh, took a few years off my life. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, we're talking about chapter thirty-one. Do you have a name for this chapter? I. I. I don't um i want to play uh, let's go with uh sporty spice sporty spice yeah okay we're gonna go with that just so it can be solidified <laughs> how terrible it, it is and we can all remember and we can always look back on when will named this episode sporty spice i'm never good at it i'm never good at it look, you know man, what and if you applied it real to a good chapter re- here's to an appropriate chapter would have been fantastic wouldn't have been a great name like maybe there was a chapter where they were playing um i don't know some i rely on you ball. for this i rely Sand. on you for this okay i don't put this on me don't, don't put this on put, me. put this on me don't put this on I'm me putting this on- <laughs> no i don't allow that uh so okay we're calling this fucking spice sporty spice like yeah and as is tradition yeah, fuck it i'm knocking everything over over here I apologize, everyone. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mess. I meant to say my desk is a mess, but I am clearly a mess as well. Oh, it's a nightmare. All right, man. It has been a weekend, and yeah, I think it's my turn to read the chapter introduction this time. So, <clears throat> prophecy and prescience. How can they put to the test in the face of an of the unanswered question? Consider how much is actual prediction of the waveform, as Muad'Dib referred in his vision image. And how much is the prophet shaping the future to fit the prophecy? What do the harmonics inherent in the act of prophecy? Does the prophet see the future or does he see a line of weakness? A fault or cleavage that he may shatter his with words or decisions as a diamond cutter shatters his gem with a blow of a knife. From Private Reflections on Muad'Dib by the Princess Yerlan. Another fantastic addition to the Princess Irulan series of books. A cleavage, eh? Fan fiction. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. This I think it comes down to Paul. It's talking about whether Paul is following the prophecy uh, as it's laid out for him, or if he's shaping his decisions <clears throat> to match the prophecy that fits best. Now, seeing the future is like a is tackled by I don't know how many different books at, at, out there. You know what I mean? Like, I think probably the most <clears throat> interesting look at prescience in this in like telling the future uh, is probably in Watchmen, like Doctor Manhattan, and how he sees time happen at, at happening at all moments. But Doctor Manhattan probably experiences time as like a as an observer, like he doesn't make as a big watch change things as a big watch. Things are just counting down to the next thing. So he 
but for Paul, Paul sees the future as it's changing around him. Sand. You know what I mean? Just sand. He's sand. It's just all yellow sand for miles around him. And he's like, wow. Sands of time. Hey, it's Prince of Persia. Love that reference. Uh, yeah, so he's seeing it differently. And now this this uh, little meditation from Princess Irulan is wondering if his decisions are made to follow a prophecy or, or fulfill a prophecy that is out of his control or fulfill a prophecy that is completely in his control. And it, with ask, asking that question, you're also asking the question of like, is he a hero or a villain? You know what I mean? Because if you're... A, he's for sure going to turn into a villain. Spice Lord. Oh, yeah. He's definitely going to be Sporty Spice Lord. Spice Lord. Sporty Spice Lord. I think he's going to get corrupted by the spice. Yeah, it's. Uh, it will, we'll see how it goes, but it's, uh, it's an interesting interesting thought because like he is our hero as the reader but um telling the future knowing the cheat codes of the time going ahead uh there is a lot to fuck around with you know what i mean oh yeah there's a lot of space in there to to change things up yeah but mix it up i don't know how it relates let's fucking get into this chapter i don't know how it relates to this chapter though because this chapter like you said, let's get into it. This chapter revolves around uh, Paul and Jessica as they work out a deal. Walk through sand. As they walk through sand. They work out a deal with the Fremen. Now we're introduced to like a whole mess of cool characters here, namely Stilgar. So the chapter opens up with a conversation between Jessica. Stilgar is awesome. Stilgar is great. He's probably top five characters in this book. And that's that's saying something because there's actually like a thousand characters in this book. Oh, wow. Okay. I got to pay more attention to Stilgar, I think. He's definitely like a dad character. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely a, another Dune dad. Dead? Dad. He's dead? Dad. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. another dad? Yeah. We got to replace a UE. Kinds. Yeah, exactly. You get rid of two, you put in one more. Uh, Paul has nothing but a plethora of father figures to turn to whenever he needs to. And, and I, and I think Stilgar is one of them. So this conversation at the beginning of the chapter here with um, Stilgar, Jessica and Paul is, is kind of interesting. The first thing that I want to talk about is that Stilgar asks Paul and Jessica if they are Jin or if they are human. I don't know what Jin means. And I went through the glossary to figure out what that actually means but it doesn't have a definition. So I'm mm. thinking it's actually uh, another word, their Chikopsa word, uh, as it's mentioned in the chapter, their, their, bat, their hunting language. Jin might be another term for animal, something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. Well, the, clearly they're not this, animals. Yeah, clearly they're not. Uh, but it does, it's a question that's reflected. But they are animals because we're all animals, aren't you we? You and I are animals. We are. Don't, don't group me in with you. Come on, man. I thought we were friends. To me, Jin is like a demon. It's like a demon god. Like a genie? Are you yep. a demon or are you a human? And then they're like, so we're I human. That's what I He's took like, from it. Cool. Well, the reason why I ask, I reason why I think it might be an animal is because it ref- that question reflects the same question that Gaius Helamahayim asked in the very first chapter. Are you an animal or are you human? An animal will gnaw mm. off its leg in a trap with the fear box humans will yeah the the whole box language and 
there's a lot of talk in this as well about the Missionara Protectiva and how their influence has shaped the Fremen belief. And it's also propped up Paul for some serious uh, power inside this group. So uh, that question reflects the guy, guy's Helen Mahimes question, which kind of shows that the Fremen share a lot of the same beliefs and values that the uh, the Benny Jesuits share as well. Yeah, whether they know it or not. I mean, I guess through this, this, yeah, they sort of figure it out. Yeah, they start seeing that there that there's uh, some similarities, some serious similarities between the two. But it is a very, very, very shaky introduction, to say the least. So, like, obviously, he he asks if they are Harkonnens. If they are not Harkonnens, then like all is good. And turns out they're not. But that doesn't mean that they're out of the water yet. They Out of the sand. The sand water. Stilgar looks at Paul and he's like, this is probably the one from the Sea Lago that Liet sent to us. Or like that we heard from the Sea Lago that Liet said to protect. I love all your pronunciations today. I'm getting there. Very nice. So the Sea Lago is that bat that we saw with the Howitt chapter a couple chapters back. You remember that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The guy that with the guy that spit into the bat's mouth and was like, let's go. Yeah, old bat mouth. I remember him. Little bat mouth. That's this guy. So, yeah, I don't know if this was the bat, though, because he says it was from Liet Kynes. Mm. You know? But the only bat that we know about or, like, that we see, that we have seen in this book so far is the bat that that one Fremen guy set off when, when he was hanging out with Howitt. Uh, it could be the same one, but I don't know. It's probably not. It's probably a different bat. We can move yeah, it's on. Probably a different bat. It's probably a different bat. Let's be real here. There's lots of bats, uh, I'm sure. Uh, so they know that they got to take care of Paul. That was at least Liat Kine's orders is to take care of Paul. And Liat Kine's like, obviously his word is the word of God. You got to, you got to follow whatever he says. However, Jessica is not set up to live in the desert and to Fremen, if you're not set up to live in the desert, you're worm meat. Worm meat. Yeah, I mean they uh they're not Absolutely. they're like, we can't fucking take care of you. You don't know how to do this shit. Mm-hmm. So they're like we were born in and this. people are like chirping and they're like, we take take her water. Sand. Hey. Born in sand. Take her take her water. Where are you? What is that? Are you doing people water. yelling it? Are you and, doing the crowds? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they want her water. And the crowd's they want around her them. juice. Ugh. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um and Jessica knows this, but she know she there's a way to get out of this situation and she takes the fucking uh the the action route. Which is actually kind of sweet. Like her and Paul do like a synchronized synchronized sort yeah, of like, like a kung fu dance. Without even talking to each other. Yeah, she grabs Stilgar and uh, gets him in like some sort of like headlock or something like that. And he's not even, he can't even, her weirding way, her fighting style, obviously superior to his. So he's immediately like taken aback by this. And he's like the best fighter in the, in the crew. And uh, by taking, by her taking him like that, he's like, okay, you win. We're not going to kill you because obviously you're worth more than worth to, worth more to us alive than you are as drinking water. 
and Paul disappears into the shadow like fucking Sam Fisher's Shinobi. Cell. <laughs> Smoke bomb. <laughs> and he's gone. Yeah. And uh, he disarms a guy named Jameis and he gets uh, he gets like a a good vantage point to see the whole the whole situation go down. Jameis. I think he gets a Mala pistol. Jameis is his name. Jameis. It's fun. It's like Space Jameis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's change it up. Uh, so he gets he gets like a good vantage point, and the next little bit is Jessica trying to work out a deal, you know, so that she can stay alive. They, she knows that Paul is likely safe, but Paul isn't gonna go anywhere without his ma. She doesn't want to go anywhere anywhere without him. Without her Paul. So, but Stillgar recognize Stillgar is like real recognizes real man. If you can teach us this weirding way, this 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 way mm-hmm. of battle that we don't know, then you're you're worth our time. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. She and she, can she even teach it to them? She can't, can she? Or can she? I think I think there's I think there is physical attributes that she can teach them uh, about the re- weirding way. I don't think it like. And how the weirding way connects to like Benny Jesuit training. I don't think she can teach them. No, but that. she could teach like, them like complete control of their bowels. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Definitely. You will never poop yourself again. But here's the thing. Here's you want the thing to. about that. They don't need to worry about that because they're they're pooping themselves all the time. Let's we've bring t- that we've back. talked about this. Unless there's like a tube or something that's constantly attached or like suctioned onto your butthole. I don't know. There might be like a, I don't know. Just maybe like a little, uh, little like switch you flip the poo that up. like puts it, you know, puts it in poop. I don't know. Moving on. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Nevertheless, it's like Stilgar's like, I want this power. This is, or like this, I want this. This is all kinds of my stuff. He wants Jessica. He wants everything. That, he wants all of it. Yeah. Well, there is a little bit of love in the air here. Oh. And that's when we get introduced to uh, Chaney. I think I, in an earlier episode, I, I, I referred to her as Chani because uh, that's the way I read it when I first read the book. But the audiobook says Chaney, and I think Chaney. I'm just going to go with the Chaney version. So Paul, so Paul sees Cheney for the first time, and the audiobook does a great version, does a great thing with this moment, uh, and starts playing a flute in the background, and like the description of her is like she moves like a gazelle, and, she, and there's like a boop boop boop. Amazing. Is she? This is the girl in the trailer, right? Yeah, this, this is, is uh, Zendaya. This is the, the love interest. Yeah. Yeah. This is Princess mm-hmm. Irulan's. This is the one from his dreams. Mom. <laughs> I called it. Uh, I just love that moment in the audiobook. The flute, the way that they presented it, just awesome. I, I love a good great. flute. I love a jazz flute. I love a pan flute. I love okay, any sort of I love I love any sort of wooden flute. Mm-hmm. I like woodwinds. Hey. Mm. Play me a ditty. Especially if I'm out <laughs> in a field. Oh man! Oh, game over. Away and I'll do a dance. I'll start dancing. Uh, <laughs> Jessica, 
Jessica. The tensions tensions die down a little bit uh, after they make the, they strike this deal. Uh, but Jessica has a couple other couple other tricks up her sleeve. She's thinking about the Missionara t- Productiva and how they've, like I said earlier, how they set how the Missionara Productiva has set them up for this uh, for this moment. You know, like how ready they are to uh, fulfill this myth that has permeated throughout Fremen culture for thousands of years, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So that could be so. She plays a little trick on him like he's like I, I can't remember it was Stilgar or another Fremen was like prove it prove it that you're a Benny Dreseret like other than the weirding way and she, all she does is just remembers like looking at a at a map at Liet's like little hideout and uh, seeing on the map that there was a a, little, a, a location called CH Tabur or CH Tabur and Stilgar written C-H-tabur. right next to it Tabur and she's like, okay, let's draw let's draw a line between those two points. And she's like, all right, you are from CH Tabor, Stilgar, and we're, you're going to take us there. And immediately Stilgar is like, I, well, all the Fremen are like, <gasps> Benny Jesuit witch. Crazy Benny Jesuit witch. <sighs> they all do that. Yeah. Big gasp. Uh. And it's just like, it's just a little trick. So like, it's interesting, the commentary that Frank Herbert is placing on, on Messiahs uh, with Paul. Like, it's all just set up as to be a trick from the very beginning. Not that Paul is actually this Messiah. I mean, he might be. Uh, maybe he is. But he's, he's, but Jessica is recognizing that role. And she is shaping all the react uh, all the reactions that they have uh or yeah uh with a fremen to fulfill this this part uh yeah she's really fucking getting in the to way. confirm their she's religion sort of doing her own thing she's the i mean master is it getting right in the now. way yeah she is the puppet master pulling the strings she is, she is master of puppets holding the strings making paul dance just going boop 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 and uh, Metallica. uh it's interesting that uh Jessica the this role it's this role between Messiah and Paul and how Jessica's playing with this uh it's it's really kind of like a dick move if you're looking at it from a Fremen point of view. You know what I mean? Well how so she is like there's no confirmation that they are this this messiah figure. <clears throat> They're just fulfilling this role. You know, how many other Benny Jesuits with sons have come through this planet over the course of thousands of years and could have fulfilled this role, but they haven't. Well, they don't have the spice. And yeah, I think Paul's got, Paul got that spice in him. Can you imagine like he just keeps proving more and more that he yeah. is, and I think it. I think it also helps that and shout out Mapes uh, sent. Yeah, they yeah, there was some shout out. Yeah, Mapes shout out Mapes this, sent out like chapter. some uh, some information out to the Fremen, going like, "This might be our guy. This could be the ticket. This might be the the boy." That holds a lot of credit for them. It holds a, like it's mentioned. They're like shout out shout out Mapes, <laughs> give them a shout out. 
And everyone was like, oh, fucking shit. Everyone was also like, I want to go yeah, uh, quick shit. Pour one out apes. from apes. Rest in peace, mapes. Rest in peace. I miss mapes Rip. already. Um, so yeah, th- I got. Ju- I actually don't. I got just <laughs> enough mapes. Got enough of that spider lady. Just going. Ah, I am shout out mapes. Is that how it sounds like in the book? In the audiobook? Probably not. Kind of like that. It was kind of like that. Um. So yeah, they uh, the chapter wraps up with them. They're gonna go to CH Tabor. And we're going to see where it goes from there. You know what I mean? We're going to see it where it goes. Schwer. Schwer it goes, Schwer it goes. Schwer Uh, Yeah. Any any final thoughts you want to want to hit me with there, Steve? Or uh, you ready to take us away? Dune threw a lot at me in this chapter. There's a lot of fucking words. A lot of big, like you were all these words you're pronouncing. What was that one? C-H-C-H-Tabor. C-H-tabor. You know, but it's par for the course at this point. I'm ready. I, I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into it. I'm, uh, hey, Paul and Jessica, I'm with you guys. We're with you guys. We're trucking through that fucking sand, I guess. Well, is that, <laughs> that's how I feel. That's how I feel right now. Dune, am I right? You are right. That's it. That's all I want to talk about. I don't. I'm, there's probably a couple of points that I'm fucking missing, but like, hey, you get what you pay for, guys. Yeah, and in this case, you don't pay f- anything. Fuck all. You, you pay nothing, but you get everything. So do the math on that yourselves. Um, it's a no-brainer, everybody. It's nothing but profit on your side. Shit over. Steve, stop dropping stuff. Uh, well, you know, on on Mondays, Monday is the day that I like to say. Give us an email at chapter by chapter podcast at gmail.com. Ooh. You know what I want? I want recipes. I want opinions about sand. I want a, I want worm picks. <laughs> Not actually, I don't want worm picks. I don't know what that means. Um, but literally anything, uh, questions, but recipes is my favorite. Um, but yeah, that's it for today, and we will see you all tomorrow for chapter 32 of Dune.